glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Over the tackle of the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter, and you can find my co-host for the day, Mr. Dennis Bennett at Culture underscore Coach on Twitter. We are just one of a ton of great podcasts that are associated with this network, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Adam Ronis and Dr. Roto from Series XM Radio, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Dwayne McFarland, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of great others, all on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. We are also glad to be partnered with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. They do all kinds of great statistics. You can find them on Twitter at XTB score. They do the hashtag we got stats. Their stats are amazing. Some of the best college football stats you can find online. And you can get it for just $15 a year. On top of that, if you use our promo code ROUNDTABLE, all one word, you get 10% off. I'm telling you, the best college football stats, all that stuff you see me posting on Twitter all the time if you follow me, that's where I get it from. I get all of those stats from their website. It is fantastic. They've got baseball stuff, NFL stuff, and basketball stuff coming soon. Again, you can get 10% off a year subscription, which is just $15 using the code ROUNDTABLE. For today's episode, Dennis is joining me as he does every Friday, and we are going to recap the Thursday night football game, and then we are going to jump in and preview all of the remaining games for Week 7. Hello! And as always on these Friday episodes, we've got Mr. Dennis Bennett with us, or back with us, as he has not really been here all week, obviously. Dennis, what's going on? How did your uh, fantasy week work out for you last week, and how's everything been going? You know, I'm sitting at a, a cool 66 and 60 after six weeks. Uh, I, I'll take it. Uh, I, I'm not, uh, I was a little disappointed with yesterday. Philip Lindsay let me down. In uh, one of the charity leagues, redraft leagues I'm in, I decided to uh, I needed to pick up a kicker because of Joey Sly on on a buy. So I said, "What the hell? It's a high altitude, lots of distance on their kicks. I'll pick up Brandon McManus." So I'm headed into the rest of that week at a minus one. Yeah, I didn't. I honestly had no. So as everybody who listens knows, especially with as early as I work, I usually don't get to catch the back half of the games. So I like last night, I watched a little bit of the third quarter and ended up going to bed. Obviously found out about all that stuff uh, after the fact. And someone was talking to me about that this morning. They're like, man, I can't believe I'm already behind. And or I can't remember what he said. I was like, I'm already losing, and I didn't even pl- – the guy I'm playing didn't even play anybody. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, I started Brandon McManus, and he got me negative points. And I was like, wait, what? Are you serious? And he's like, yeah, he yeah. missed a kick, and it's a, a league where you uh, get negative points if you miss kicks and everything. I was like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that sucks. So I hear you on that. I, I, I did not expect that game to, to be as bad as it was. And since we're talking about it, let's just go ahead and, and jump right in and break it down.
First and 10 at the Lions 29, and Prescott goes screen right. Elliott down the right side to the 25, to the 20, to the 10. Elliott to the pylon. Zeke Elliott, touchdown. 38 on the screen. Second down at 10, takes the snap, gives it. Chubb runs, he's in the 10, 15, he's in the 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. There goes Chubb, he's in the 30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Chubb a lava hub. 92 yards. from Adam. Case on a deep drop, steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side, caught by Nick. Stay oh my God! Oh my God! The, uh, the Chiefs came away with a huge victory here, 30-6. to Not at all what I expected after we saw, obviously, Mahomes go out. We'll touch on that last. So for the Chiefs side, as I said, we know Mahomes gets injured. Um, my goodness, why did I just forget his name? It just jumped out of my head. I wanted to call him David Moore, and I know his name is not David Moore. Why, why, why can't I think of his name here now? Dennis, help me out here. Moore. My, Michael Moore. For, Matt Moore. Matt Moore. My goodness, I couldn't get his Matt name. Moore. I'm like, Matt Moore. I, I, sorry, I didn't know what you were referring to <laughs> after. I thought you were going to talk about somebody else getting injured or something. I no, didn't. he's he's just so forgettable. I can't remember his name is my first getting name, old. too. I need more clues. Yeah, well, I'm bad. It's one of it's been a really long day for me, and I'm I'm like I'm I'm fried up to the edges. Like once this once this podcast ends, I'm hoping that I have enough energy to stay up and watch the Buckeyes play because I'm I'm I have hit my limits so far this week. But Matt Moore comes in after Patrick Mahomes gets hurt, goes ten of nineteen, 117 yards and a touchdown, gets you 13 points on the week. McCoy. Uh, is really the only running back that does much here. 64 yards on 12 carries. Gets you nine point five, uh, six points. Tyree Kill scores a touchdown with Matt Moore. Uh, he gets you 74 yards. The touchdown on just three receptions. 16.4 points. Hardman's touchdown came from Patrick Mahomes. So before he got knocked out. 28 yards, two catches, and a touchdown. To come in with 10.8 points. And Travis Kelsey, uh, a lot of people expecting big game, a big game out of him last night. Just 44 yards on six catches. So obviously we saw Patrick Mahomes go down last night, which would suck. I mean, he is by far one of the best players in the game. Really sucked. Obviously had a, a, a pretty serious knee injury. We were lucky enough as, as we're expanding and become a bigger podcast. I've, I've gotten some people that have now been able to get down on the sidelines of the games. And we have some exclusive audio of, of, of when that happened. Patrick Mahomes kind of yelling at the training staff uh, when they tried to take him out on a cart after injuring his knee. I'm not leaving. I'm not fucking leaving! The show goes on! This is my home! 
They're gonna need a fucking wrecking ball to take me out of here. <laughs> They're gonna need to send in the National Guard a fucking SWAT team, cause I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> It's pretty cool, right? I mean, man, he did really not want to come out of this game. My goodness, the dude is a complete baller. Just baller. And on top of that, the crowd cheering when they heard him saying, I'm not fucking leaving, which is just, I mean, fantastic. But seriously, in all seriousness, Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, it sucks to lose him and... uh, Again, the knee, the knee injury. We'll, so on the Chiefs side, we obviously got more news now on Patrick Mahomes last night. A lot of people were freaking out. You could tell it was a dislocated knee when they uh, straightened his knee out and you saw the knee kind of pop back in place. Usually with that, it can go multiple different ways. The obviously worst one is uh, something we saw a couple years ago with the Bears tied in, and I'm forgetting his name now. Zach Miller? Yeah, Zach Miller, where it dislocates to the point where it messes up, like, the blood vessels and everything in your knee, and you could honestly, and honestly almost lose your leg. Luckily, that did not happen to him. He also, from the looks of it, did not get any ligament damage. So the word is he will only miss three to four weeks. I did see a lot of people talking about him probably not coming back till after their bye week. So that's good news in the fact that he's not going to be gone for the whole season, But I guess the big question is, what does this mean for the Kansas City Chiefs offense moving forward? You likely don't have anybody to replace Hill or Kelsey, so you have to downgrade them. But how far are you dropping them? Are you dropping Kelsey to a tight end too and and Hill to a wide receiver too? What are your thoughts on how these two shape out now with Moore uh, moving forward for at least the next three to four weeks? Well, I I don't know, but if if I'm John Elway, I'm... I'm, uh giving Andy Reid a call when Pat Mahomes comes back and seeing if I can get Matt Moore to replace Joe Flacco. <laughs> we certainly look better than Flacco did. Yeah, we're not. Uh, we're, yeah. yeah, that was bad. I agree. You know, they're going to downgrade, but Kelsey's what, top two, top two or three tight ends in the league. So yeah. you're not going to drop him, you know, you're not dropping him 12 spots or 10 spots. So maybe he, their offense is going to get more conservative. Um uh, but he also works close to the line, uh, and they don't have uh, a lot of running games, so they're still going to have to pass the ball. So maybe just because of efficiency, more not being as good as Mahomes, not taking as many chances, uh, I would expect him, Kelsey to maybe drop six or eight spots, so he'll be go to being a, a high-end tight end one to a mid-tier, maybe back third tight end. Uh, but he's still, you're still going to roll him out there every week. I mean, if your choices are Travis Kelsey and Vance McDonald, you're going to start Kelsey or Travis Kelsey and uh, Delaney Walker or shoot most weeks, probably even TJ Hawkinson, you're going to start Kelsey over. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, and, and, and Tyreek Hill is Tyreek Hill. When they take their shots, as long as Hill's healthy, uh, Hill is going to be the one getting the shot usually. And, you know, it happened last night. Uh, Hill ran a great route. Uh, it's still, I, I still haven't heard if Hill broke off the route and went deep when, uh, Moore rolled out or if that was what the actual route was. But man, he was wide open and Moore just laid yeah. it out there for him to go get. Yeah, it looked like it was, uh, from what I was hearing, uh, that it was some kind of, uh, he, Andy Reid schemed a wheel route for him and that's what, that's what they hit him on. I actually didn't see the play. I saw the replay of it. Uh, so uh, that was uh, – I don't know if that is what happened or if he broke off, like you said, but it was definitely 
like what you said right there, he was wide open. That's what I saw in the replay as well. I guess the big thing is the the one thing that did change when Mahomes went out was that they did start running the ball more, and we it did seem like not even seen McCoy was definitely getting more carries twelve to. Uh, Damian Williams, nine. And Damian Williams did absolutely nothing with his nine carries on seven yards. At least McCoy got you 64 yards. Would you expect McCoy to get a little bit of an uptick here, at least for the next three to four weeks? Because I can't imagine they're going to rely on Matt Moore to pass it as much as they did Patrick Mahomes. Because it is, it's just a drop off of talent. You can't expect him to do what Mahomes did. So would you uptick McCoy just a little bit? Would you feel safer playing him every week now? Well, I, I think if you had him, he was always in, in your flex consideration. Um, I don't know that he's going to get a whole lot higher that, than that. I think the 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 hit is going to come to the offense overall in, I, I believe, a, a reduced number of plays. So if they were running 60 plays before, maybe they're going to be down to you know 53 or 54 plays. Because they're not not going to be as efficient, they're not going to control the ball as much. Um, they're not going to have the propensity for big plays. You know, they're they're three three play. They're still going to have three play drives. Uh, just a lot fewer of them are going to end in touchdowns than previously uh, occurred. Uh, I think Moore is going to be a decent caretaker. I think they're Andy Reid is going to scheme the the game to his strengths, and some of that is going to be. Uh, a little more reliance on the running game. I think the guy that really gets the uptick is going to be Daryl Williams because I think uh, Damian has shown that he's not it. Yeah. Yeah, it's been I, – I, I guess it's fair to say you were you were 100% right on him with that. I mean, I know uh, you talked about all offseason. Obviously, Carlos Hyde ended up leaving the team, but if we would have known McCoy was there, you probably would have been on McCoy's train – uh, as well in saying that you just did not necessarily believe in Damian Williams being the guy, and he has not shown us anything to believe that he will be moving forward. Uh, you mentioned how bad Flacco was on the Broncos' side, and it was, I mean, let's see here. Drew Locke cannot come back until after week eight, so after next week. I honestly would not be surprised if they don't activate him from IR and, and he starts getting starts by like week 10 or 11. Because Flacco looked bad, which is crazy to say, because he actually did not look too bad the past couple weeks. Again, I don't get a chance to watch a lot of the Broncos games. I, 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 you know, Matt, I know, as you know, is a huge Broncos fan. So I know he watches those games every single weekend. Like I do the Browns, you do the Browns, Lions. So I tend to focus on other games to kind of get perspectives on them because I know Matt's going to bring analysis on whoever Denver is playing and the Broncos. And he has talked about how Flacco has looked a lot better than everybody expected the past couple weeks. And really even those first couple weeks in those games, they won. But last night, he just looked bad. 21 of 34, 213 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, 11.7 points. Philip Lindsay struggled in this one, the GOAT. 4.2 4.2 points in this one, 36 yards on 11 carries, doing absolutely nothing in the receiving game in the past couple weeks. That has really seemed to go to Royce Freeman, who got four catches for 32 yards, 35 yards on 10 carries, and the touchdown to come in with 16.7 points. Cortland Sutton, though, continues to be a baller. 87 yards on six catches for 14 points, and Sanders 11 points in this one, 60 yards on five catches. I mean, outside of, and, and I really think Freeman can start working his way in this conversation if you weren't starting him already. For me, Lindsey and Sutton are the only people I'm, I'm trusting starting every week in this offense. What about you? Yeah, I, 
Sutton is is uh, you know starting to live up to the the hype from from last year, and it's good to see. He, six four, big body, he can go up and get the ball. Has good speed. Uh, Flacco's just got to get the ball out there to him, and and he looks like Eli. Yeah, I mean, there's no strength in the arm. He can't throw the ball for whatever reason. I don't know if uh, the the rush just got to him and had him that far off his game last night. Uh, Denver's offensive line did not play well last night. It it, it was uh, a bloodbath back there in the backfield for Joe Flacco. Uh, I I really like uh, Cortland Sutton a lot, and uh, I, I've picked up some shares of him this past off season. And uh, I was okay with Lindsey. I trade made a trade in the off season. I traded Zeke Elliott and a second for. Uh, Lindsey, Amari Cooper, and a second. So we essentially swap spots in the second round. And I had been fairly satisfied with that deal. Uh, in part, I had expected I was going to be rebuilding on that team. And right. uh, uh, the team is actually four and two and performing well above its, uh, uh, what I think is its capacity. So I, I'm probably, I don't really have the ammunition to go get any more help. So we'll see where this goes, but I expect here in about two or three more weeks, I'm going to be a seller on that team. Uh, but I think yesterday was sort of, uh, uh, I, I think it was a little bit uh, of an exception for Lindsay. You know, he didn't perform that well. Uh, he, he didn't, at least from a fantasy perspective, he got me 4.2 points. Um, so it, it looked like he's starting to lose a fair amount of passing game reps to Royce Freeman, which yeah. uh, is making Freeman now flex relevant on a consistent week-to-week basis. So I, I do think, I think Lindsay is still somebody you you should be fairly comfortable starting as your RB2, uh, but uh, Freeman is moving up into the weekly flex consideration. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, he he is definitely – the first couple weeks it was – I don't want to say all Lindsay is they, they have been kind of splitting for the most part, but Lindsay was getting a lot of the, the receiving work where it really seems to be moving more toward – Toyed, my goodness, I can't speak toward Royce Freeman here lately. If that's going to be the case, as much as I hate to say this, as you know, I'm a huge Philip Lindsay guy. If it keeps moving more and more toward Royce Freeman, I might have to start leaning more toward playing him over Philip Lindsay. But right now, I think Lindsay is still good to play. I mean, he he's had two bad games so far this year. Every other game so far, he he's been really good. So I'm not I'm not too down on Lindsay just yet. But the I would say um, my ears are up, and I'm paying attention to the fact that Royce Freeman is getting a lot of work in the receiving game because that, that that could end up hurting Lindsay, especially with, as you mentioned, how bad the offensive line is. If he's not able to get anything going in the running game, those receiving yards and catches are going to become huge for us fantasy owners. Yeah, especially in the uh, uh, PPR leagues. You, oh, yeah. you know, Freeman caught 79 passes in college. Let's see what Lindsay caught here. Uh, you know, Lindsay caught 117. So, you know, they're both good receiving backs. It seems pretty peculiar. It's, it's kind of like, you know, them using Freeman over Lindsay in the passing game is, it, it's weird, much the same way as New England not using 
Georgia's passing down back in oh, their yeah. passing game at all. <laughs> you know, Sony Michelle, who was the passing down back uh, to Nick Chubb. And, and so it's, I don't know, I guess that's why they're NFL coaches and we're just uh, fantasy fanalists. Now, if we were the NFL coaches, we'd have the we. Well, I, sh- I was gonna say we'd have the Patriots in the Super Bowl every year, but wait, they're already doing that, so never mind. All right, let's move in to start breaking down. Not break some of. We're going to break down all of the games or the rest of the games here for Week Seven. We eating all day, bro. I'm hitting you every time. Every time you come as well, I'm gonna hit you. I'm not gonna be able to do that. You don't want no problems, bro. You are my boy. I'm a man. It's about to get ugly. start off here with a game not a lot of people are probably going to be watching and that is going to be the Arizona Cardinals and the New York Giants. The Giants getting three points in this one and being given the 54% chance to win this. Arizona Cardinals defense comes in giving up the 16th most passing points and the 32nd most rushing points. So they are god-awful the worst against the run in fantasy. I think that means a huge bounce-back game for for Saquon Barkley, who is in. He will be back. I'm sure they will limit his touches some, but he is just so talented. Going up against the worst defense here, I think he's going to be just fine. We know Evan Ingram is going to be back as well. He has got to be in your lineups as, as weak as the tight end position is. My question for you, we've talked about Golden Tate quite a little bit here. Patrick Peterson is coming back into the Arizona, Arizona Cardinals uh, secondary here after coming off a suspension for PEDs. However, it is a new defense, and it is his first game back. I don't know if he will necessarily shadow Tate, but would you feel comfortable playing Tate against a middle-of-the-pack pass defense? At, at this point in the season with four teams on buys and, and injuries piling up, uh, you're going to be rolling Golden Tate out there, even against Patrick Peterson. And th- you you make a great point about it being a new defense. It, and how is Peterson going to fit? Uh, will they keep Peterson on the so- outside? And with Sterling Shepard out, is Tate going to move into the slot and play against the slot corner? Uh, and that would put Peterson on Darius Slayton, uh, I would presume. Yeah. So... You know, and Slayton has looked good. I, I think that uh, if we if we see that uh, Peterson is following Tate around, then it's a game where you're going to hope you have Darius Slayton in, in your lineup. Uh, Arizona has given up, let's see, the third most fantasy points to quarterbacks. Yeah. And I'm going to assume they're giving most of those up uh, in the passing game, not the running game. So... Uh, well, they did give up quite a few to Lamar Jackson. Yeah, well, it is Lamar. Uh, I think a lot of people give up a lot to Lamar. Yeah, and and well, I guess now that I say that out loud, Daniel Jones is a fairly adept runner as well. Yeah, but I I, I feel like it's going to be one of those. Uh, you know, I almost you know Peterson's a, a pretty good sized guy. He's what six foot six one, two hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah, he's a good sized corner. So you know, do they put him on uh, Evan Ingram? to try to stem the tide of uh, uh, tight end points coming against that defense. 
Yeah, that would be that interesting. Would be, that would be interesting. You know, Ingram is big. He's 6'3 and 240, uh, but he runs like a wide receiver. and He's uh, kind of their de facto big wide receiver. So I, I, I feel like the Giants are going to let Daniel Jones play his game. He's going to get Barkley back, and Barkley's going to play, and that's going to create balance in that offense, which means Jones is going to take shots down the field. He's going to be throwing the ball to Slayton and to Ingram and, and to Tate. So you, what would you figure? I don't know how many passes per game Jones has been averaging, but uh, a, medi- a medium passing offense throws, what, 35 passes? Yeah, I'd say so. So right, I think right Jones right. is going to be in that 35 passing passes attempted range. So, you know, you're going to fire up your, your Golden Tate and your Evan Ingram. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Tate, for me, is probably going to come in as a middle-tier wide receiver, too. I mean, it, it's not a horrible matchup, not a great matchup, but Daniel Jones, really outside of Evan Ingram, uh, I don't think has anybody else. I, as you said, Slayton has been good here lately, but I would say Tate's a, a step above him just on what he's shown us so far. So I would throw him out there uh, and expect at least some decent numbers from him. You mentioned bye weeks. I did forget to address those at the very beginning. you got four teams on bye this week, Carolina Panthers, the Cleveland Browns, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. On the Giants' side here, so their defense is 14th again, or 14th most uh, pass points and 24th most rushing points. So DJ is likely in line for another big game here. Although interestingly enough, he's getting most of his game uh, points out of the receiving, uh, not necessarily rushing yards. For some reason, they're just not running the ball a lot. But he's still getting his work, and that's all that matters. My real question with that. Actually, we'll do that last. I want to address the the wide receivers as Fitzpatrick's in. He's an easy start. If you've got him, you're throwing him in there. He's been awesome so far this year. Christian Kirk is a game-time decision. I still think if he's out there, um, depending on your options, I would not necessarily feel safe playing him. He's missed a couple weeks with injuries. Again, not a a middle-of-the-pack pass defense here. Um, What would you think about Kirk? And then would you be willing to throw in Edmonds as a flex starter, has actually come off and played pretty good the past couple weeks. Seems to be creating a little bit more of a role for himself. Maybe it's more of a load management thing with DJ, or maybe they're just trying to take some of the workload off of him. Would you feel comfortable throwing Edmonds in your flex, and what do you think about Kirk? Well, I think if Kirk plays, then you're you're going to feel fairly comfortable playing him. He's the, you know, him and Larry are the 1A, 1B uh, kind of thing, you know, it, it's Kirk and it's Larry. Those are the top two receivers on that team. And so if Kirk is playing, you kind of have to play him because he's likely to get the volume. You, you risk him aggravating his injury or, or, you know, maybe one of those games where I'm going to give it the old college try. And after a few routes, it's like, man, it's just not there. Um, so, you know, you, you always play that risk, have that risk, but I guess you have that same risk with any NFL player because of the physicality of the sport. So I, if Kirk plays, I'll, I, I have him in a couple spots and, and I'm, uh, keeping an eye on, uh, the injury reports on Sunday morning to see, is he going to be active or is he not going to be active? Uh, for, David Johnson, I, I think that this offense puts uh, the ball in the running back's hand in the passing game a lot, and Johnson is an exceptional pass-catching running back. Uh, 
he'll continue. I I wouldn't be surprised going forward uh, to see you know closer to a 60-40 running back carries split with him and Edmonds because Edmonds does look explosive, and when he's playing, he's getting uh, he's making plays when he's on the field, and that sort of that that breeds a lot of confidence in the rest of the team. Uh, so if I have to, if, if I had Chase Edmonds, I, I, I think I'd be fairly comfortable rolling him out there in a flex spot, you know, and, and, and we mentioned it numerous times that, uh, you know, some of these, in some of the leagues we play in that, that last flex guy might be your 10th or 11th starter. And so at that point, you're usually pretty comfortable starting somebody like Chase Edmonds. But even if it's a more traditional league where, you know, your your first flex spot is what your sixth starter or seventh starter. Uh, you know that that he's starting to to push his way into the conversation uh, there. Yeah, so I I've got Kirk in a couple leagues as well, and, and in all honesty, I have Chase Edmonds and Devin Singletary, who we saw just got cleared today as well, sitting there all vying for that last flex spot. I would definitely throw in for me Singletary over the other two, and, and in all honesty. I, I might lean Edmonds over over Kirk this week, just based on the matchup. Again, the Giants' uh, pass defense is not quite is better than their rushing attack or the rushing defense, and I just I don't know what I just don't trust DJ being out there, man. He he's been injured so much here lately, and as you said, Edmonds has really been carving out a role for himself. I like Edmonds. I think he's got that better touchdown upside compared to Christian Kirk. Uh, could be wrong on that because they could shift more of their coverage to Fitz and then that leave Kirk open in some in some decent matchups there. But I think if I had to choose between the two, I would go Edmonds. Who are you picking to win this game? I'm going to roll with, uh, let's see, is it, in, is it New York or it is, is it in, in New York, uh, Arizona? Yes. It's in New York. It's in New York. I'm going to go with the return of Saquon and go for the Giants. As am I. Next up, we've got the Rams and the Falcons. The Rams being given just three points, which is insane to me. But Atlanta being given the 50.4% chance to win this game. On the Rams side here, so their pass defense, the 18th most against the pass, 14th most against the rush. I feel like this game right here is going to be very easy to break down. You're starting all of your Falcons. Uh, this is probably the is the highest over um, over total. It's got a huge shootout potential here. Both these defenses giving up a lot of points. Both these offenses have, even though the Rams have struggled a little bit here, they both have obviously a potential to put up a lot of points. I think start all your Falcons. Easy call here. Even Muhammad Sanu, who I know had a bad week last week, I think he's going to be fine here. Uh, what about you, Dennis? I think you start all your Rams too. Yeah, I, I uh, don't disagree with that statement either. Gurley is off the injury injury report. Uh, I, I think you're onto something there with Sanu too. He uh, seen some rumors going around that teams are inquiring about uh, picking him up. So you know he's obviously going to want to go out there and put on a good show. And given the way that uh, Atlanta has been stinking it up so far this year. Uh, you know they they should be looking to move some of those veterans uh, and get some capital for the 2020 2021 drafts. Yeah. Um, you know they got Vic Beasley out there on the block as well. But uh, I, you know I I think that it even though the uh, 
the Rams, that this game's in Atlanta, right? Yes. Yeah, so it's in a dome. And I, I think that the golf road debacles probably aren't, you know, when you combine it being in a dome with being against the Atlanta defense, <clears throat> I think golf is going to play closer to his home norms. So the the Rams should put up some points. It's it's going to be a good game. Yeah, if you like lots of scoring, I think this might be one of those games where you're going to get a lot of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can't wait. This is definitely going to be one of the more uh, interesting early morning matchups. Who are you picking, the Rams or the Falcons? I'm going to go ahead and take the Rams. As am I, which should be interesting. The Falcons dropping to 1-6. and six. Could we... Uh, could we see Dan Quinn getting pushed out the door here quicker than many thought? A team coming into this year, a lot of people had high or had high hopes for them winning this division or being right there with the Saints, and it has just not not worked out for them at all. Next up, we've got the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills. Bills getting 17 points in this one and the 91% chance to win this, much like the game previous. Not a whole lot to break down with this one. Uh, the Dolphins defense is giving up the 8th most against the pass and the 28th most against the rush. So actually doing a very good job against the pass, but really bad against the rush, which is why I said earlier, I'm starting Devin Singletary. I was worried about him a little bit, but we got reports today saying that he is not even listed on the injury report, which for me means he is good to go. I know Frank Gore has looked good, and I'm sure they're going to ease Singletary in back a little bit, but... Every single one of his runs so far this year, I believe, what is he, had 10 runs, I believe. Four of them have gone over 10 yards. Like that, that's, he is a phenomenal running back. I think he's going to be really good for this team going up against a team that is just getting gashed by the run. I'm throwing Singletary in there. I'm expecting him to have a good game here. This one might blow back in my face a little bit, as as we know, Josh Allen tends to run the ball a lot too, but I like Singletary. I think he's going to be fine. I also think that you have to start John Brown and, and Cole Beasley in this game because all it takes is for one big play for those guys. Cole Beasley's getting a ton of the targets. John Brown, the deep play threat here. Allen should have a huge game as well. What is your, what's your take on this Bills offense? Well, uh, and Xavier Howard has been dealing with an injury too, so I think he's actually out this week, and he's the best cornerback on that team. Uh, so when, when you if, if you take the best player off an already bad team uh, the, and John Brown is off the injury report uh, it, it's going to I think the Bills are going to be able to rack up some points on the Dolphins uh, just like everybody else and it, it's 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 such a clusterfuck down there in Miami and I believe they they've got their vision and they're executing it. You know, it Brian Flores is taking a look at a lot of different players and doing a lot of different things. I I, I feel like he's got a vision. Whether it works out or not, I don't know. But he's not looking to win. It's it's very much a developmental year for him and his players and I think he's trying to sort through who's got the mental toughness to be able to do this. You know, I, I think he has much like any coach that leaves from being under Bill Belichick for any uh, length of time, they leave and they want to go uh, and, and establish, you know, the Patricia way or the Flores way or the O'Brien way. You know, it's not just the Belichick way. We come from this tree and we're going to establish this way. And, and, 
Flores is just stripping it down to the bones. He is, you know, there's going to be nothing left but the framing uh, before he starts rebuilding. And he wants to see who has the mental toughness to be able to do that. Whether it works is going to be something we're not going to know for a couple years uh, when they start bringing in draft picks that he's selecting, that his team is selecting, uh, and how do those guys start performing and do they mesh with the uh, the players that are still there from this year? So it, it's going to be rough. I, I, you know, I feel like there's flex flexible opportunities for players. You know, whether it's Preston Williams. Or Albert Wilson, you know, some of these wide receivers, I think, are going to be flex-worthy plays, uh, and if for no other reason, then they're going to be behind and be behind, and they're throwing the ball. Uh, I don't know if Josh Rosen is going to have the mental fortitude to go from, you know, pre-week six, you're starting the rest of the season to. Uh, getting benched again and uh, having. Uh, Fitzpatrick being named the starter. So uh, I feel for Josh Rosen. I, I feel like he's he's getting the shaft. And, you know, he, the players, it, this is the perfect example of the, the, the players are just a cog in the machine. Yeah, I think for me, uh, you have a little bit more faith in the the Dolphins' offense than I do. I'm not I'm not starting anybody. Uh, in all honesty, uh, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying there. I mean, they did have a report come out earlier that they really like what they've seen out of Devontae Parker the past couple weeks. I do think they're moving in the right direction. You know, I honestly, in a little bit, feel bad for Rosen too for the way that his career has kind of started off here to begin with uh, last year in Arizona with a. Uh, with a, a offensive line that really couldn't do anything. And then really the same thing here now as well with, with, uh, Miami. But I'm not trusting anybody here. Hoping Kenyon Drake gets moved as well to improve his stock as, as a guy that me and you were both very high on. Uh, I'm only leaning into the Bills here. Maybe in a very, 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 very deep league would I throw Preston Williams or Devontae Parker out there outside of them. Uh, I'm not paying attention. But I also Mark Walton. I just want to throw this out there. I grabbed him in a ton of leagues that I'm in. I really think this kid has a lot. Uh, he was still in my top 10 running backs a couple years ago. Everybody was infatuated with Barkley. I still had him in my top 10. Ankle injury at Miami. Went to Cincinnati. Off-field incident. Got cut. Landed in Miami. If they trade away Drake, this guy might have some some sneaky value here toward the end of the year. Who are you picking to win this game, though? The Bills or the Dolphins? Oh, I think it's going to be the Bills in a bloodbath. As do I. This next game, not a lot of analysis in this one either, and that is the Jacksonville Jaguars going up against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, I can't imagine anybody here has this much faith in the Bengals doing anything, but the Jaguars are only being given 4.5 points, which I found a little bit interesting given the 57% chance to win this one. Their defense, the Jags, that is, is uh, giving up the second fewest against the pass and seventh fewest against the rush. So they are not doing or giving up a lot of points in either facet of the game, which really makes me not want to play anybody. I think if you have Tyler Boyd, you're probably having to play him anyways and hoping for that touchdown. Outside of that, I don't see much. Auden Tate has showed out a little bit, but I wouldn't trust him this week. But what about Joe Mixon? Me and Matt had a conversation about him on Monday's episode talking about how 
with as bad as this offensive line has looked, and really this offense, he's kind of unfortunately fallen into like the flex territory. Like I don't even think you can view him as an RB2 anymore. What are your views on Mixon as a guy who, just like me, were very high on him coming into this year, uh, and would you be willing to start him this week against the Jags? Well, I actually would. Um, the Jaguars are giving up the fifth most uh, points to running backs. Uh, now, the Bengals are giving up the most points to running backs, so if you got Lenny Fournette, you're firing him up and letting him go. I, I think the big difference between uh, Fournette and, and Mixon in this case is uh, Mixon doesn't have anybody blocking for him. So Mixon, I, the Jaguars are going to, uh, improve their standing uh, after this week, but it's not a. I I don't attribute it to Mixon not being that good as much as I attribute it to there's the Cincinnati offensive line is a complete train wreck and they can't block anybody and so Mixon is just slamming into walls there, uh, but I think he's definitely flex worthy and I, I would assume that if you have Mixon on your team. You probably drafted him at such a point that uh, you, you can't really not play him unless you've been wheeling and dealing. And uh, in redraft leagues, I don't see there being quite that same amount of trading going on. Uh, and in dynasty leagues, I'm looking at it now as uh, uh, I, I feel like the, the Bengals are probably going to get better next year. And so if I am... Uh, a contender, you know, Mixon is the guy I'm kind of taking a look at because I, I'm trying to think, you know, a year ahead. And if I can trade something of, you know, if, if I can package a couple depth players to somebody who is fed up with Mixon, you know, a, a bona fide low end RB2 and l low end or mid tier wide receiver two and grab Joe Mixon and, and, now he's a depth player for me uh, with the expectation that next year he's going to end up bouncing back. You know, that's not a that's not a bad situation to be in. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think he'll definitely bounce back next season, but I, I don't I – don't, this year I feel like that whole team – I mean, I think they're going to struggle to win at maybe one or two games this year, and I do think that's unfortunately going to be bad for Joe Mixon. Uh, we've just seen he really hasn't gotten going. Now, maybe that'll change – um, maybe that offensive line just needs more time together. They have had a lot of injuries, guys coming in and out of the lineup. Uh, but for me, I'm, I'm kind of leaning away from him. I do get what you're saying. You probably don't have any kind of, uh, depth there. Although there, there's a couple guys that have outperformed, uh, their, their draft value. Maybe you, you got lucky if you went heavy RB and ended up with, with a couple of guys that you could replace him with. But, uh, I think he's kind of, expectation wise he's fallen into that flex territory you can't expect that rb1 or, or high upside rb2 that you drafted him to be uh this season i don't think that's necessarily his fault as he does have all the skill and talent it's more on that offense uh what uh who are you picking to win this game the jags or the Bengals? the jags as am i Next up, we actually have an interesting game, probably one of the better ones in this early morning window right up there with the Rams and the Falcons, and that's the Vikings and your Detroit Lions. The Vikings in this one getting just two points, and they are giving the 62% chance to win this game. The Vikings defense, third least against the pass and 13th least against the rush, so they are obviously playing very good defense. 
But so are the Lions, which I don't think a lot of people realize. The, the Lions would really be, if they wouldn't have tied against Arizona and I think gotten screwed against the Chiefs, a lot, a lot of people would be talking about the Lions a lot different. And kind of reminds me of that episode at the beginning of the year with Mr. John Hamlers, who projected them to win this division. And maybe he was closer than we all were on how good this Lions team was going to be. For me, I think carry on, though, uh, we'll start with the Lions side here. Going up against that really, uh, I'd say, decent rush defense. They're in the middle of the pack. Uh, he's he's probably high upside RB2 for me. I still feel like they're kind of figuring out how to use him. Uh, he's not quite the workhorse we all hoped he would be as, as fans of carry on. I know both of us are. Uh, and for me in this game, Galladay's the only receiver I really trust to play. I like Marvin Jones, but he's been way too boom, boomer bust for me, and I don't think he's going to have the boom game here against a really good Minnesota Vikings secondary. Uh, what 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 are you doing here with this Detroit offense? Yeah, that's going to be a tough play for Galladay. He's going to probably be shadowed by Xavier Rhodes, and uh, the Vikings are in the, the top third and fewest uh, points given up to wide receivers. So uh, if you if you have Galladay, you've got to trust that he's going to make some plays for you. But and when it comes to Marvin Jones, though, he's always been a boomer bust guy. Uh, now he can boom with the best of them, uh, but I think Stafford has got his swagger back this year, and so I think he's willing to take some chances. And part of that is. Uh, because that Lions defense is is really starting to play well. Now, I will say the Lions defense is very susceptible to the run. Uh, they are giving up the third most fantasy points to running back so far this uh, through six games this year. And uh, so I would expect uh, a heavy dose of Dalvin Cook from uh, one Mike Zimmer. Uh, and if you're running Dalvin Cook, that keeps uh, Kirk Cousins from – throwing it in the direction of big play Slay and Nevin Lawson. Um, so that that's a positive for the uh, for the Vikings. So this could end up being a, a little bit lower scoring game unless, uh, you know, Dalvin breaks off a couple big runs. Um, I, I think uh, uh, Stafford is going to try to make some plays with his arm. Uh, but, you know, he can be prone to the to the interception. So. Uh, what do I what do I expect for carry on? I expect they're going to give him about 13 carries uh, and about four targets, three targets, uh, because that's sort of how they're playing. Uh, you know, we as fantasy players, we want him to get bigger volume because we see, uh, you know, when you're given when you're given that volume as it gets later in the game, the defense wears down more than the running back wears down. Right. And the running back then will start to pick up those chunks uh, in the second half. But it'll come down to game script. It's going to be a close game. The yeah. NFC North is tough this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a good game. On the Vikings side, uh, you mentioned Detroit a little bit more susceptible to the run than they are the pass. Actually, 10th best pass defense here. So they're doing a really good job. I'm sure a lot of that happens to be with Darius Slay, big play Slay, as you call him. Uh, and others do as well, not just you. Uh, but he he's obviously very good. One of the best cornerbacks in the league, especially locking down the best offensive wide receiver, who I thought when me and Matt talked earlier in the week about this game, 
uh, that he would be going up against Adam Thielen. But when I went back and looked at it, he has actually matched up against Diggs the past three times, which is not good for someone who owns a lot of Diggs like I do this year. So do you feel comfortable firing up Thielen and Diggs this week? As you mentioned, Cook is an obvious start. Even if the Detroit Lions were number one against the rush, you're starting Dalvin Cook, which is good as he has been. So there's no no point in even thinking about sitting him. But what about Thielen and Diggs going up against a very good secondary and Diggs specifically going up against one of the best cornerbacks? Well, I think that it's going to be uh, – you'll, you'll definitely feel a little more comfortable starting Adam Thielen than you will Stephon Diggs. But, I mean, you, you pay these guys to make plays. So – there, there's, you have to have the optimism that even if he only gets five targets, that Diggs is going to be able to break at least one of them and, and get some good yardage and possibly even a touchdown. Now that's, you know, maybe hoping against hope when you're going up against somebody like Darius Slay. Uh, it's going to be a tough game for those wide receivers, I think. And having, uh, uh, Dalvin Cook, I think makes it easy to start to rely on that running game. If Cook and Madison start tearing off chunks of yard yardage, it could end up being uh, quite a uh, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to predict a, a 10 pass game like week 1, but it could be one of those games where Cousins only throws the ball like 25 times. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I don't disagree with that. I think they are going to come back a little bit. We saw obviously the past 2 weeks they went really heavy in going against uh, or and passing the ball I would not be surprised if they go a little bit more run heavy, especially with you, what you were talking about with them being a little, the Lions being more susceptible to the run in this one. I'm with you on Diggs. I do feel like you have to play him. Uh, even if you kind of lower your expectations to more of a flex play, I actually think Diggs might have a decent game here. I think they're going to move him around a little bit, try and get Thielen on Slay a couple times and allow Diggs to, uh, to get off a little bit here. I'm not expecting a big game, but I'm, I'm going to predict that he scores a touchdown in this one and at least say salvages your fantasy day with that alone. Who are you picking to win this game, though, the Vikings or the Lions? Well, I think the Lions are kind of snake bit this year. Uh, they just can't seem to catch a break, and so I'm going to take the Vikings. Oh, okay. I, I am as well, but it was a lot harder for me uh, than I thought it was going to be uh, looking at this matchup yesterday. Next oh, up. It, it's not easy for me. No. I, oh, yeah, I, I'm, sure. I'm pulling so hard <laughs> for the Lions, it's not even funny. Well, that's good. I'm glad. you. So you haven't given up on, on the Lions like I have the Browns because every week I just pick against them now because I know they're not going to win. But that, let's really not dive into that because I've already ruined enough podcasts this week complaining about how bad the Browns are. Next up, we have the Raiders and the Packers. Uh, possibly good game here, at least for the Raiders, with the Packers just kind of getting killed with injuries in this one. Green Bay giving 4.5 points uh, and uh, actually being given the 72% chance to win this one in Lambeau, which is a little bit surprising for me. The Packers defense here, 28th against the pass, 15th against the rush, which I think means Josh Jacobs uh, should have a decent game here. Uh, I do think... Uh, He's obviously their one best running back. I don't think you can sit him if you have him. I do think he's going to be the focal point of this defense because with Tyrell Williams out, I really don't trust anybody in this receiving core outside of Darren Waller. Uh, are you willing to start anybody outside of Waller or Jacobs on this Oakland Raiders offense? I've, I have a a couple desperation plays because I have nobody else uh, 
where it's looking like I might be putting Foster Moreau in and hoping for five points. Um, but, you know, outside of that, it, you know, Hunter Hunter Renfro is one of those guys, you know, in the, the Trey Quinn and Jamison Crowder mold. You, you never know. He may end up with one of those games where he, he's, he catches eight or nine passes for 65 yards or something like that. Uh, you know, Marcel Aitman is uh, a decent outside guy, big guy, not great speed. So if they need to have somebody big on the outside – uh, and then they've got uh, – they just brought over Zay Jones. I don't know how much of a role he's going to play at this point. So the, the, it is kind of a, a hot mess there. And so it really is uh, a game – you know, the Packers are giving up the fourth most fantasy points to running backs. And I can see uh, a, another big Josh Jacobs game here. Uh, I, I've, I've been notoriously uh, – uh, not a big fan of Jacobs coming into this year. And uh, I, I'm going to take the L here. Uh, after what he did with the Bears, I, I feel like that he has shown that, uh, you know, it, it may be a, it may be a situation like Cadillac Williams where John Gruden is going to take the kid and run the wheels off him for the first two years and, and uh, that's it. But this year from a fantasy perspective, I think Jacobs has pushed his way into – uh, definitely, uh, uh, he, he's pretty much a uh, top 24 back on a weekly basis. And so, uh, unless you're in some weird league that you only have to start run one running back, you're rolling him out there and you're starting him. Yeah, he, he's definitely had a good year so far. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to jump on, uh, and say that he's that good just yet i'm gonna give it just a little bit longer but i have a feeling i'm gonna have to join you sooner rather than later uh on that as he has definitely been been phenomenal so far for the raiders on the packers side here i mean my goodness they're just getting decimated with injuries at the wide receiver position we know adams won't be back uh mvs and allison both dealing with injuries in this one uh, outside of, uh, I guess let's start there before we move on to Jones and Williams. Would you even be willing to start any of those guys and, and, and add in Lazard, who obviously had a good game here this past week with Aaron Rodgers, who actually wanted him to come out and be on the field? And, and obviously when Aaron Rodgers talks you up, that's always a good thing for you and your stock. Are you are you willing to throw any of these wide receivers in your lineup? Well, I, I think if, if they're the, if, you know, whoever the two starting wide receivers are for the Packers, you have to consider them. So if it's Lazard and Allison as the top two wide receivers there, uh, Rodgers has long been an Allison fan. He's talked him up for years now, a couple years, and he's said nothing but good things about Lazard. So if they, it feels like if they're in there now, he has a comfort level with them that he's going to – he has that trust. Uh, you know, MVS made a couple really nice plays last week. That one over the shoulder catch he made was beautiful. And, uh, I, I think if he's out there, he's probably the number one, but he, he you just don't know who's going to be out there. Uh, and so it could be, Kum, it could be Kumaro and, and Lazard. Uh, and, uh, let's see. No, Chad Beebe's over on the, uh, the Vikings. IR now, so I forget who who would even be the next guy up if if uh, MVS and Adams and uh, Allison are all out. I don't even know 
who the next guy is. Yeah, I so. can't even tell you. I know it's not my guy, Equinemius St. Brown, because uh, he is sitting on uh, the IR. I would have loved to love to see what he could possibly do here, but but obviously he's not going to play. Let's see. I'm trying to – you got Jake Kumaro. It would be Darius Shepard and Ryan Grant are the only three – or only four available after. I mean, you've got uh, Geronimo Allison, yeah, by the way. just signed Grant like yesterday. Yeah, uh, due to – before we get too much into the Allison talk, I forgot about this. I don't even think he's going to play. I believe he is listed doubtful with a concussion, or at least he hasn't cleared yet, which I would imagine if you've not cleared concussion protocol at this point, there's, there's probably a more – likely chance you're not playing Sunday than you would yeah. be if you have it. So he might not be out. So you're really looking at Marquez, MVS, who's still dealing with the, an ankle issue. And then, as I said, Darius Shepard, Alan Lazar, Jake Kumaro, and Ryan Grant. So maybe Kumaro? I mean, it, but I I would feel okay throwing Lazard out there. As, as we talked about, he obviously had a really nice catch. Uh, not really a touchdown, but they gave it to him. So whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll take whatever we can get from him. Uh, but, uh, when Aaron Rodgers comes out and talks you up like that, that does mean something. He he likes you. He's willing to throw the ball to you. That's the biggest thing in a Packers offense. You you want Aaron Rodgers to throw you the ball. So I would feel comfortable throwing him out there um, in, in a deeper league flex spot. I'm not throwing him out as my wide receiver one or two. Uh, but again, I, I, I would say flex because the Raiders are really bad against the pass. And that's all you need with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers because they are decent against the run. And you've got two running backs here, and me and you, all preseason long, we're big on Aaron Jones. We thought he was going to have a really good year. We're like, hey, Matt LaFleur is coming over here. He was going to realize Aaron Jones is the better running back, and he's going to play him. Well, that's not really happened. Uh, they, they've really done a very uh, good job of, for the most part, splitting the carries. Aaron Jones is getting a little bit more, but it's still really close. And then, obviously, we saw Jamal Williams come back from the concussion protocol and played last week and had a better game than Aaron Jones. What are you doing with this backfield? Are you throwing Aaron Jones out there, maybe dropping expectations a little bit to more of an RB2? Because right now, he's sitting at RB8. So he is a top 12 RB. He is an RB1. You drop in expectations or you think Williams is just going to fall back to the pack a little bit more uh, because he's just not as good and as talented as Aaron Jones. You're just going to keep trusting in Jones. What are you doing? Well, I I think I'm going to do both. I am going to keep trusting in Jones. Uh, He's at RB8 because of what, a 50-point week or a 40-point week? Yeah, four so touchdowns against the Cowboys he, does help you. Yes, he's probably he's probably more likely, a, you know, an RB twelve to fifteen is where where he probably should be. He is the more talented of the two. Uh, he's a better pass catcher, despite the one bad drop, uh, and he's a, a good run blocker, and he's more dynamic with the ball in his hands. That being said, Jamal Williams looked good coming back uh, last week. Uh, he ran the ball with. He, uh, he didn't look sluggish, which is sort of the way he has always looked in the past has been that he just didn't have a lot of burst, and, and he looked like he had a little bit of burst last week. So I, I think you're looking at a 60-40 uh, split when it comes to snaps and maybe a, a even closer split when it comes to touches. Uh, but I think uh, all things being equal, eight times out of ten, the the, the – the big game is going to go to Aaron Jones. So I, I think you can roll uh, Jamal Williams out as a deep flex, and I think you continue to start Aaron Jones as your uh, RB2 slash RB3. 
Yeah, I would. Uh, I would definitely. For me, I would drop expectations a little bit more toward an RB two. Um, I do agree with you that he is the better back, and and I do think that Williams he did he did look really good uh, the other night. And I do think he's going to kind of revert back to what we've seen out of him. I think that's why he just doesn't get the ball enough is because he's not quite as talented as Aaron Jones. I think that will start to show a little bit more, and Jones will get a more of uh, more of the work. But until that happens, I think you've got to drop expectations of him just a little bit. Who are you taking in this one, the Packers or the Raiders? I'm going to take the Packers. As am I. The Texans and the Colts. We talked about this one a little bit yesterday with Mr. Tony Dyer, huge Colts fan, and in the battle for the AFC South right now to get into number one. The uh, let's see, um, uh, the Colts are actually getting one point, which is a little bit surprising to me. But Texas, uh, the Texans being given the fifty-three percent chance to win it here. The Texans defense eighth against the pass, or I'm sorry, eleventh against the pass, eighth against the run. I'm coming right to you because you are the big Marlon Mack believer here. Uh, has had a couple good games, really struggled in the middle there. Some injuries, some just kind of poor play. What are you expecting against a fairly good rush defense here for him against Indianapolis or uh, him against the Houston Texans? Uh, we saw they leaned very heavily on him for that Kansas City game, and he came through for him. Are you expecting them to do the same thing here against the Texans? Well, they're going to have to throw the ball to open up the run. Uh, the Texans have the, give up the seventh most fantasy points to wide receivers. Uh, and Jacoby Brissett has shown himself to be a reliable quarterback, if not a spectacular quarterback. Uh, Marlon Mack is a workhorse back. Uh, he can catch the ball well. Uh, and he's a big, he's 220 pounds, six foot, 5'11. Uh, and so he, he can run the ball. Uh, I, I think there's going to be some, uh, Tough sledding, but I think you have to stay the course. And Mac is one of those runners that that you know he his game looks a lot like this: three yards, two yards, five yards, two yards, one yard, no yards, nineteen yards, three yards, two yards, two yards, six yards, one yard, twenty-seven yards. You know, so that's kind of what what Marlon Mac that that you know he just he keeps breaking those kind of big plays uh but he needs the volume to do that if you give him 10 carries then you're going to come away underwhelmed but if he can get 18 20 carries uh then i think mac pays off will he get it uh i think so but you never know if if the if the texans you know if, if all of a sudden deshaun watson uh, and deandre hopkins and will fuller hook up for three touchdowns in the you know, the first 18 minutes of the game, then I think uh, the Colts start playing catch-up a little bit, uh, especially if T.Y. Hilton is healthy. Uh, now they're out there and they're trying to, to make up points, and, and that takes the ball out of Marlon Mack's hand. Yeah, I think that's uh, my biggest fear is that I think this could become somewhat of a shootout and that could move Naheem Hines into to more of a game play here. I, I you know I love Naheem Hines. I was big on him and Jordan Wilkins last year. Obviously, Wilkins has kind of let me down. But Hines has looked good, at least last year, not so much this year. I would not necessarily feel comfortable throwing him in the flex because we've also seen Marlon Mack at times has handled some of the receiving work. And if they they decide to leave him out there on the field and and, and be the guy getting the running and the receiving work, Hines is going to be pretty much uh, non-usable. 
I, I like what you said, obviously, about Brissett. I think he's been awesome. There, there is a chance of a shootout here, and if that happens, Brissett, ton of upside. I think he's a great QB play this week. T.Y. Hilton as well. Uh, assuming he's fully healthy. You were talking a little bit there about the Texans and, and Hopkins and Fuller. Do you expect that out of them, though? Because Hopkins, I mean, they are going up against the number one pass defense right now in the Colts. Hopkins has just really struggled so far this season. Outside that game against the Saints, where it really was them throwing to keep up with the Saints for the most part, has not done much. We saw him have a decent game last week. Being kept out of the end zone, though, not getting necessarily targeted as much. In fact, Will Fuller's been getting all the touchdowns. He dropped or had a chance at two touchdowns last week, dropped both of them uh, that could have scored two touchdowns. I think Fuller, for me, as crazy as it is to say, is almost more consistent because he, if he catches those two touchdowns, we see exactly what we've seen the past couple years with Fuller and Watson. When they're both healthy and on the field, they just seem to have this connection deep. I think Fuller's an easy play every week. Hopkins, I think... I'm starting to be a little bit worried about. I think you obviously you have to play him. He's DeAndre Hopkins, but I am a little bit worried. But the Colts' rush defense is what struggles here. We talked about it last week. We both said play Carlos Hyde. He obviously had a good game. Are you leaning back in with Carlos Hyde again this week? Do you think he can have a big week against this Colts' defense? Well, where are the Colts? You know, the Colts have a top 10 defense, fantasy defense against running backs, so it is going to be a little more challenging. Um, but the the Texans, you know, they do what they do, which is Deshaun Watson takes shots with Will Fuller. That's just how they roll. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins works the intermediate, and every now and again, you know, he breaks off a long one because he shakes his defender uh, just because he's so dang strong. But they're, they're not going to stop taking shots unless uh, Watson keeps getting hit. If, if he can't stay upright, then then that's a completely different story. But since they acquired Tunsil, the Houston offensive line uh, is starting to settle into a really nice groove, and they're playing pretty well. Uh, and they're opening up holes for Hyde to run. You know, Carlos Hyde is... I think I described Jacoby uh, Brissett a minute ago as unspectacular. Well, Carlos Hyde is equally unspectacular. Uh, and But it, you don't have to be spectacular to win. So I, I think that they're going to – Hyde will get his 13 to 16 carries uh, unless for some reason t- uh, Indianapolis hits a couple deep, deep balls with T.Y. Hilton, which is not out of the question. Uh, you know, Hilton is known for, for his big plays, and uh, I don't think that the Texans' cornerbacks are, are playing too great. Uh, let's see, where are they at? It's like they're, they're giving up the seventh most fantasy points to wide receivers uh, so far. So Indianapolis could decide to take the ball out of uh, uh, Max hands a little bit and throw the ball, and if then – that if they hit on those, that creates a situation where uh, Houston has to throw the ball too. Well, then what happens then? Hyde's not getting carries. I mean, you have to at some point you've got to commit. I think Hyde, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> Hyde is their starting running back, and he's definitely low end running back to to flex worthy. 
with high end running back two upside. And it's because he's the he's the one that's there getting the touches. Yeah, I would honestly feel safe playing him this week. Uh, I feel like he'd probably come in as an RB2 or, or flex player this week for me. Uh, I, I'm fine rolling him out there. I think he could have a decent game here against the Colts. Who are you picking to win this one, though, the Colts or the Texans? I'm going to ride Deshaun Watson. Nice. I'm going to take the Colts. I think this defense is going to step up. Getting Darius Leonard back here I think is going to help him out. I'm going to take the Colts and Brissett in this one. Next up, not a not a really a whole lot to break down with this game either. The San Francisco 49ers at the Washington Redskins. Uh, the 49ers here getting 10 points and given the 78% chance to win this one. Redskins defense, 24th against the pass, 17th against the rush, just not good at all. I think that means you're firing up Coleman, Breida, and Kittle. My question to you is, with this defense being so bad against the pass, are you willing to throw in Pettis or Samuel in your flex spot? I, I think Samuel was just uh, listed as out, if I remember. Oh, was he? I might have missed that. <laughs> so... Uh, but I think uh, I've seen a couple people call for Pettis breakout week this week. Uh, I, I'm I'm from Missouri. You got to show me is what my dad used to always say. Uh, and Pettis hasn't shown that. Now, granted, my dad wasn't from Missouri, <laughs> but it, it, it's the show me state. Uh, I if I'm starting Pettis, uh, I'm doing it uh, with hesitation or because I don't have a lot of other options. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the uh, the Redskins' defense has given up the six most fantasy points to running backs. And that running offense of San Francisco has shown that it, it's quite the machine. Oh, yeah. And if you've heard any of the clips or read any, any of the stuff about uh, Kyle Shanahan when uh, they at, have asked him about his time in Washington, uh, he seems to have an axe to grind. Uh, <laughs> So it's looking like he wants, you know, I could see him doing one of those things where uh, he runs the ball and keeps the offense on the field, just grinding it out for like 45 minutes and just doesn't give Washington any chance to do anything and just wants to rub their nose in it and just keep scoring touchdowns. And when you've got a running game that's as dynamic as San Francisco's and you've got DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead and, uh, Nick Bosa, uh, you, you know, I, I think, uh, I, I think Kyle wants, Kyle wants this one bad. And I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a tough week to be a Washington Redskin. Yeah. I think for me on the Redskins side, I mean, I'm throwing in Terry McLaurin because he has just looked phenomenal. Obviously. I mean, he, he's yeah, been you, one of the best rookies. Gotta start him now. Yeah. But I, I'm not feeling great about starting him against a really good San Francisco 49ers defense, but outside of him, there's nobody else you're playing in this, on this Redskins team. Uh, you know, even if they do say they're going to run Adrian Peterson 50 times, I don't see him doing anything against this, this, uh, San Francisco 49ers front. Who are you picking to win this game? The 49ers or the Redskins? I'm rolling the 49ers. As am I. Next up, the Chargers and the Titans. Surprisingly, Tennessee getting the 2.5 points and the 60% chance to win this game, which is insane to me. 
On the Chargers side here, Tennessee, their defense has actually been pretty good. I think just the fact that their offense has been so bad and their defense has been on the field so much kind of skews the numbers a little bit here. But the Titans are number one against the pass, 23 against the rush. So for the Chargers side here, knowing that, knowing how bad they are against the rush, what are you doing with Melvin Gordon and and Austin Eckler? Because I still think Austin Eckler has been the best running back so far, but they've got to continue to work in their quote-unquote all-star in Melvin Gordon back into the lineup. Yeah, it's, you know, Melvin is the starter. And, well, don't get me wrong. I love Austin Eckler and the things that, that he's done this year. But Melvin Gordon is a better back. Is he is Melvin back into shape yet or not? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think probably the bigger issues for the Chargers are you know losing Mike Pouncey. Do they have Mike or do they have Marquise? Whoever their center was, uh, yeah, whichever yeah. Pouncey brother it was, him going it's a out, yeah, uh, inserting them, uh, you know, Forrest Lamp or Dan Feeney or whoever is slid over there, uh, just isn't quite up to snuff. And then Russell Okun being out. Uh, that that's really hampered their their play uh, for, as an offense, um, you know. And and Philip Rivers is much as I like being a fan of his and and have liked the the toughness and the bravado that he plays with. Uh, you know, he's getting up there in age, and you can see the beat and starting to take its toll a little bit. Yeah, uh, it, it's coming down to a situation that uh, uh, you know. He's probably going to be considering retirement on a yearly basis here for the next few years. Oh, yeah. Uh, on their passing side, though, we know uh, obviously this Titans defense really good against the pass. Keenan Allen has struggled here, but your guy Mike Williams has stepped up. Are you willing to throw all three of those in your lineup? Is it kind of a no-brainer this week And Allen, Williams, and, and then Hunter Henry, who just came out with a with a bang there this first week, uh, him being back and in, inserted in the Chargers lineup? You willing to throw all three in yours? Well, I, I, I think you have to. I mean, Henry is one of the best young tight ends uh, to come out in, in the past, I don't know, five or ten years. So he's been playing. You know, it's just been about injuries with him, and and he stepped right back into the lineup last week and had a phenomenal game. So I don't think they lose a beat with him out there. He's going to do what he does, which is get open and catch passes uh, and knock people down in the run game. Uh, Keenan Allen is one of the best possession receivers in the game. Uh, you know, he honestly, I, I think he's better than Jarvis Landry. Uh, and I think who, their game is, you know, they kind of play a, a similar game. I just think uh, Allen is better. And I love Mike Williams. You know, he goes down the, you know, he's not an efficient player because he's the deep ball guy. So his catch rate is always going to be, you know, lower relative to Allen, and uh, it, it, you know, there's going to be a, a lot of games that, you know, he doesn't do a lot because they just didn't connect. But when you've got that many skill players and uh, Eckler and Gordon and Henry and Allen and Williams, you, you can't help but play them. That offense, they're going to still take shots. They're still going to, you know, Give it. They're going to game plan to cover up the deficiencies in the offensive line as as good as they can. You know the down the the tough part is they're playing Tennessee, who has a great defense. 
You know, the other part of it is they're playing Tennessee, so they're likely going to not have to score a ton of points to win. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, on the Tennessee side here, let's see. The Chargers, decent against the pass, but bad against the running game here. So I think that obviously means you're, you're throwing Derrick Henry in for the most part. Obviously, last week looked bad, but it's been a, an, an RB2 at worst every single week here, most of the time finishing as an RB1. Easy play for him up against the Chargers. The interesting thing is going to be the passing game here. So they are struggling against the pass. Obviously suffered a lot of injuries in that secondary to begin the year. Ryan Tannehill comes in. He is now the starter for the Titans. We saw him have a pretty nice connection there with Corey Davis to the back half of that that, uh, game there last week. Are you trusting throwing A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, or Adam Humphreys in? We've seen the connection that he had with... uh, Jarvis Landry, obviously, when he was there in Miami, Adam Humphreys has looked good at times. You willing to play any of these three in your lineup this week against a bad Chargers defense? Well, I'm from Missouri, and you're going to have to show me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Uh, you, you know, I want to believe in Corey Davis so bad. I, I just want to believe. Uh, but Corey Davis's game is the weakest part of uh, Ryan Tannehill's game. It's the deep yeah. ball. Uh, yeah, Adam Humphreys is, is uh, the slot guy. So could there potentially be a boost for Humphreys? Sure. Uh, Tennessee is a grinding offense. You know, they're not, they're not, they don't look to take a, they take two or three shots a game and that's it. They're not looking to keep, they're the antithesis of the Houston Texans who are willing to go deep on any play. Uh, but they're going to grind it out with Derrick Henry. They're going to try to bludgeon their way to victory. Uh, they're going to take some shots, but with Tannehill, that's you know 15 yards. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think Humphreys might be a sneaky play this week. I, I, I think he's got some upside. He, he's been putting up points here the past couple weeks, even with Mariota. I think Humphreys has got a shot. If if you're looking for, especially with all with the four teams on by, maybe you lost a couple starters and and he's available on your waiver wires. I'd grab him. I think he has a chance to get you some double digit points here this week, uh, possibly 12, 11 points. I'd say probably fifty percent chance of scoring a touchdown in this one. Who are you picking, the Chargers or the Titans? I'm going to go with Mike Vrabel and those grinded out wow. Titans. All right, all right. I'm going to take the Chargers. Next up, the Saints and the Bears could be a very interesting game here. The Chicago Bears getting 3.5 points in this one and being given the 59% chance to win this game. Uh, on the Saints side here, I think it's easy. You're obviously playing Michael Thomas. Uh, the big question comes down to, we do know now, Alvin Kamara and Jared Cook have both been ruled out. Uh, I don't think Cook really does much for for the receiving game. I mean, we've seen him have two good weeks, but I don't think that changes much. But Kamara being out... What about Murray? Because we've seen he is actually fairly good at, at, at catching the ball as well. A decent runner. Now, obviously, Chicago very good against the run. What are you expecting out of Murray this week? Obviously, if you own Alvin Kamara and you own Latavius Murray, you've got to throw you've got to throw Murray in, right? Even if you don't own Kamara, are you throwing Murray in your flex and hoping for a touchdown here? Well, you can hope. Uh, I, I'm not sold on Murray. I'm. I don't think he's, you know, just because Alvin Kamara is out, I don't think, you know, Murray is, is the answer. Uh, he, he may, he may, it, it's, you know, it's, it's 
like rolling the dice with Murray. There may be a, a chance that a lane opens up and he gets you a 20 yard touchdown or something. Uh, but for the most part, he's, he's, he's just a, a fast Derrick Henry. He's a big guy that kind of pounds the hole and yeah. sometimes he gets through and sometimes he doesn't. He doesn't have great vision. Uh, he goes down fairly easy. Um, he's a good backup to have, but he's going against a, a tough defense. And it's going to be tough sledding for him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. On the the Bears side here, obviously the Saints, one of the worst against the pass, actually the worst against the pass, but still a very good rushing team or, or a team against the run. So you're obviously throwing A-Rob in there, maybe Anthony Miller if you're feeling lucky, but the only one I feel good about is throwing Allen Robinson in there. What about David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen, though? Obviously been splitting. Montgomery's actually been getting more carries, a lot more carries than Cohen. Cohen's still getting some of the receiving work. Uh, would you be willing to throw either one of them in your lineups this weekend against a very good run defense in the Saints? Yeah, it's going to – I don't – if you have Montgomery – uh, I, I think you need to really temper your expectations. Saints have given up, given up the fifth fewest points to running backs, so it's going to be tough sledding for him. Um, from the Bears' side of it, though, the guy I'm looking to play is Anthony Miller. I think Marshawn Lattimore is going to be shadowing Allen Robinson, which means Eli Apple is going to be on Anthony Miller. I mean, just push play. It, it's... Uh, uh, as a Buckeye, that hurts, but yeah. Eli Apple is a very, very beatable cornerback. I mean, just like, man, the dude is, is, is just getting hammered here. He's, he's not playing. I, I, I hate to say that he's not playing well because clearly I can't do it, but for whatever reason, the, the gap between him and Lattimore is so big. Yeah, that, you know they they just don't throw at Lattimore, and they just throw the ball at Apple, and you know he commits penalties, he gives up plays, and so I, I'm I'm all about Anthony Miller this week. Yeah, um, like I said, it could be a good play. I still like Allen Robinson, man. I, I I do agree. Him going up against Marshawn Lattimore. Lattimore has been balling these past couple weeks, shutting down some of the best wide receivers in the games. But I think they will force it to him a little bit, getting you a touchdown. If you have him, you, you I think you kind of have to start him. Who are you taking, yeah. the Saints or the Bears? I'm going to take the Bears. As am I. Another good game here in this late window, the Ravens and the Seahawks. The Ravens being given, I'm sorry, the Seahawks being given three points in this one and being given the 64% chance to win this game. On the Ravens side, obviously phenomenal defense against the pass and the rush. I think you still have to start Lockett. If you drafted him, you drafted him high. However, I think this might be a sneaky Metcalf game. As someone who watched the Ravens all out there against the Browns a couple weeks ago, we know Marlon Humphreys is a legit number one cornerback. I think he is going to be on Lockett more often than not which I think allows Metcalf to possibly get freed up here. We saw Jarvis Landry eat against that that uh, 
Ravens secondary because those other cornerbacks are just not as good. Eric Weddle still trying to learn his way into this de- uh, defense here in Baltimore. I think Metcalf could have a sneaky game here. And then obviously, Chris Carson, if you've got him, you're starting him, but don't expect a lot out of him in this game. Again, the the, the Ravens defense third against the rush. They do a fairly good job of slowing you down. I, I think Carson, if he scores, great. That'll really kind of bring you bring you a good day, but I don't expect him to get double-digit points. Uh, what about you? What are your What's your take on the Lockett Metcalf thing there? I think we're starting to reach the point where it shouldn't be a surprise uh, that DK Metcalf is good. Uh, you know, he's another one I'm going to have to take the loss on. Uh, I, I don't think his skills have changed any. I just think Pete Carroll says, this is what you could do and this is what I'm going to have you do. So you go do what you do. Uh, and Russell Wilson is the perfect match for him. He should, throws the best deep ball in the league. It's just a situation where uh, he's not going to get a ton of targets like Lockett, but the targets count when he gets them. So yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm getting, I'm probably after this week, unless he puts up a goose egg, uh, it's probably going to be you know when we talk next week, I'm going to be like you know. You 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 got to be putting DK Metcalf in at least as a flex on a weekly basis. Hey, I'm just I'm just glad that uh, you're finally coming around here on DK Metcalf. I've been I've been feeling pretty lonely over here. Now I just need to get you to jump on the Ronald Jones train, and we'll be good to go, buddy. I like oh, it. Everything needs to crash. <laughs> on the on the Ravens side here, Seattle's defense not quite what we're used to seeing as Seattle middle of the pack against the pass and the rush here. Obviously, Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, you're playing him. Uh, I'm Mark Ingram, I've said for the past couple of weeks, I think he's a sell high, yet he keeps proving me wrong. You're going to keep throwing him out there as long as you own him. The The big question I want to ask you, oh, Mark Andrews, I almost forgot about my our guy Mark Andrews, uh, probably our best call on the season, putting him in top five. He has definitely made us look really smart. Uh, Hollywood Brown, we saw him sit out last week. I, I will honestly admit right now I have not looked to see if he's supposed to play this week. I thought he was. So if he's going to play, are you willing to throw him back in against a defense that's been a little susceptible to the pass? Yeah, I uh, I think that if he plays, now I believe he's a game-time decision. Gotcha. I, I saw he and, had something with an ankle, but I, I, was, I know they haven't ruled him out, so I'm just assuming he's going to play. And it's it's a tough spot uh, because he does that. You know, none of the Ravens pass catchers uh, get a ton of volume, except probably Mark Andrews. Uh, they may get volume one game, but they may go two or three games before they get any more volume. So it, it's a tough spot to be in. The the Ravens are a rushing offense, uh, and and they do a great job of that. Uh, I I think if uh, Marquise Brown plays, uh, then he's certainly a flex-worthy play. <clears throat> I think he's developed a chemistry with Jackson. Yeah, that uh, it'll be interesting to watch next year as they evolve, uh, continue to evolve. It's going to be something. Uh, you know, they could end up becoming a, a very, very dynamic uh, duo as Jackson kind of steps back from the rushing game a little bit, and they start to pass the ball a little more uh they the level of explosiveness on that team uh could really go 
you know, beyond what the Texans have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy to think how good him and, and, and DK Metcalf have been. Two guys that a lot of people were down on coming in the draft based on their landing spots and, and what they did. Uh, well, Brown, his landing spot, Metcalf, what he did in the combine, and yet they really seem to be two of the better uh, wide receivers here so far this season. Who you picking, the Seattle Seahawks or the Baltimore Ravens? I'm going with the Seahawks. As am I. Screw those Ravens. Uh, let's go to the Sunday night game, a, a very good one, at least what it looks like on paper. The Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. My phone is deciding to be a little bit um, retarded on me here at the minute, so give me two seconds. There we go. Dallas getting the 2.5 points in this one and the 62% chance to win this game. A little bit surprising to me, not going to lie. The Dallas Cowboys defense, though, has been legit. Top 10 against the pass and the run. Howard, we've seen, has been the main back for Philadelphia. Miles Sanders, we talked about it last week. Uh, I said I thought he was going to have a good game, been doing a lot in the receiving game. Carson Wentz bailed me out with a nice little touchdown to him on a wheel route. Thank you, Carson Wentz. I love when I look smart. However, I don't think I'd play him this week. We have seen when they played backs like this, like a, a la Alvin Kamara, Leighton Vanderesh has done a very good job of shadowing him, them. I think he's going to do that here. I don't know if he's going to shadow Miles Sanders, but I do think he's going to cover him whenever he goes out on passes. I'm not starting Miles Sanders this week. Uh, and really, I think uh, in the receiving game, you can only start Alshon Jeffrey and Zach Ertz. I don't feel comfortable with anybody else. In fact, I really don't feel comfortable playing either one of them against this defense, but I think you've got to. On the Cowboys side, this is where I want to get your talks or your thoughts because you are a big Amari Cooper fan, but you're also a big Gallup fan. You called the beginning of the year. You said you thought Gallup was going to have a good year. Right now, it looks like Amari Cooper might not play with that thigh injury. If he does or doesn't play, are you expecting him and Gallup to have a good game? And what do you think about Zeke going up against a good rush defense? Well, I expect whoever the uh, wide receivers are for Dallas to have a good game against the Eagles. Uh, the, the Eagles cornerbacks have just yeah. been otherworldly bad. Yeah. Um, I, I could, you know, what Dallas has a bye next week, I think. So I suppose I could see them if, if Cooper is still a little bit ouchy saying, look, just take a week. Uh, you know, this is going to be a tough game. Why don't you just get right, come out of the bye at 100%, and we will uh, roll Devin Smith out there and go Gallup and Smith and uh, uh, Randall Cobb. So if Cooper plays, you got to start him. Uh, and, and Gallup, I, I, if the, whoever's playing at wide receiver for the Cowboys, uh, I think you got to roll them out there because that – that Philadelphia backfield, defensive backfield, just gives up points. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think Gallup is in for a huge day. I, uh, as someone who, uh, I, I don't, this is not anything bad about Amari Cooper. I actually wouldn't start him this week. I do think this injury is a little bit more serious. I could see them rolling him out there as more of a kind of, uh, What's the word I'm oh, looking for? the dreaded for? decoy. Yeah, and I still think he'll do something. I don't think he's just going to go out there and run a couple routes and then come sit back down. They'll probably throw to him, uh, but I don't think he's going to push it too hard. As you just said, the bye week coming next week, I think they want him to be fully healthy going into the back half of this season. Uh, but I think Gallup is going to eat in this matchup here, and I could see Devin Smith as well uh, getting behind the secondary and getting some big plays 
Uh, on uh, Zeke, as I was saying, a tough defense here against the run. Uh, I still think he, you're obviously playing him, but lower expectations a little bit. He's probably not going to finish as one of those top five backs this week. Who are you picking, the Eagles or the Cowboys? I'm going to roll with the Cowboys. I'm taking the Eagles. Last game of the week, Monday Night Football game, could be a little bit more interesting than we thought just a couple weeks ago with Sammy Darnold, Sammy Sleeves, back at it with the New York Jets going up against their hated rivals in the New England Patriots. The Patriots getting 10 points in this one and being given the 85% chance to win this. On the Patriots side, uh, I think you're obviously starting Julian Edelman and Sony Michelle and James White, and that's it. Are you willing to play anybody else? This defense against the run has actually been pretty good. Pass, horrible, but Josh Gordon looks like he's going to miss the game. What are you doing with this Patriots offense? Well, you know, they don't have a tight end. Uh, Izzo's dinged up now. Uh, so they're, they, I think they're just going to roll out six offensive linemen and, and go that route. Yeah. Uh, Big yeah. Sony Michelle game. So the, yeah, uh, I do like you know Joe, Jacoby Myers has looked really good. So I I don't uh, it's sad for me to say, but uh, more and more Josh Gordon missing time doesn't seem to really affect w- what the Patriots are doing. Yeah, you know, Julian Edelman's going to take his fifteen targets, and uh, you know he'll do that. It, it comes down to. Do that? Do they run the ball effectively? Uh, you know, Sony has not looked great running the ball this year. He's had a couple decent games, but he's certainly not looking elusive. Um, but if they're gonna pound it, pound it up there and block him four yards, and he gets four yards, and he does that twenty times, and uh, one of them ends up in the end zone, you know, that's a good game for Sony Michelle and the Patriots, and it eats up a lot of clock. Yeah. Uh, it's it's going to come down. I, I think the the game script is going to be dictated by whether or not uh, Sam Darnold in the passing game of the Jets can move the ball against the Patriots. If they can, then that's good. You know, if if they end up with a couple chunk plays in the passing game, they being the Jets. Uh, if they end up with two or three chunk plays in the passing game and a couple of them end in touchdowns, then that, that changes the way the Patriots play their game. And they're going to have to, uh, you, you know, maybe not rely as much on the running game to chew up the clock. Uh, I don't know what the likelihood of that happening is because that Patriots defense has been otherworldly so far this season. Yeah. Um, so. It's it's gonna be it's gonna come down to uh, can Darnold make some plays? We're gonna find out this weekend. Oh yeah, uh, you know he may he may he may uh, get up Tuesday morning wishing uh, his his mono had lasted a couple more weeks. Yeah, I think uh, obviously if you've got Bell, you're playing him. He there's no way you're sitting him with with the draft capital you've put into him. I think Crowder's still a good play this week. We've seen once Darnold came back immediately, that dude picks right back up to what he did that first week with the Bills. Chris Herndon, interesting for me. Don't know if he's going to play yet, so I probably wouldn't try and put him in my lineup. He's not okay. Then we're waiting for next week, unfortunately, for him Uh, and Robbie Anderson. 
I probably sent him because, as you you just said, Stephon Gilmore, he's legit. That Patriots defense is legit. I think Gilmore has he's shut down Robbie Anderson every time they've played so far. Uh, so really, just comes down to Crowder for me. If maybe is like in a low end flex spot, uh, who are you picking, the Jets or the Patriots? I'm picking the Patriots. I'm taking the Jets, taking the upset. Patriots got to lose at least once this season, and I'm picking them to win, lose two games this week and next week, baby. At least that's what I'm going to say right now because uh, I'm going to talk well, tough while the Browns are off. you know in that Jets offense? Who's that? Demarius Thomas. You know, you've got, you've got uh, Crowder with those five-yard routes and uh, Anderson with those 40-yard routes. You know, not next thing you know, Demarius Thomas is out there 12 yards down the field wide open. Yeah, Could I mean, he is a revenge game for him. We saw him come out a little bit and kind of bash the Patriots in the way they handled him. I would not be surprised if he tries to come and ball all out against this team and, and try and prove them wrong. Uh, might be, might be a very sneaky play. You might be right on that. Well, Dennis, uh, obviously, thank you so much for joining me today. I always enjoy these Friday episodes, breaking down all of these games. Uh, I look forward to talking to you again next week. Enjoy the, uh, the uh, what's it called? The uh, honey-do list, as I have this weekend as well, with the Browns and Buckeyes playing tonight. Browns not playing sa- Sunday, so I'm sure, just like me, you'll be doing all kinds of stuff around the house. So enjoy that, and I hope the uh, fantasy gods smile ha- smile beautifully on you this weekend and grant you a lot of wins. And I look forward to talking to you again next week. And hey, we finally got a win in our co with our co-owned team in the Podcast Wars League. I, I disown that team. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't. I don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what you're saying is you're only in twelve leagues now instead of thirty five because you yeah. disowned all the one and five teams. Exactly. I've not paid attention to any of them after they started off one and four. I gave up. No, I just. It's insane. Before we cut out of here, it's insane. Because I feel like that team is a lot like a couple of my other teams. The drafts went so well, and we had so many good players, and then it's just been a weird year, and those players are not producing. It's crazy to think that we are just 1-5. in five. But I've been 1-5 in five before and turned it around, and I think we're going to turn it around and end up getting at least into the playoffs with that team. So, But I, I, I do look forward to talking to you again next week, buddy. Have a good weekend. Right on. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your pop on there.